I want to open the Word of God with you today and share uh, an exciting message. I'm excited about it. I pray it's going to inspire you and challenge you today. Uh, and it is the continuation of last week. We talked last week about how that Jesus is more than a Savior. He is the King. How that many times Christians have this mindset that God exists for them and that Jesus will save them and bless them and help them, and yet they are still the king of their own lives. They do what they want when they want, and they have this eternal insurance plan in case they die. And if they ever get in trouble, then God will come down and rescue them, but pretty much they just live for themselves. And uh, what I hope we got was a revelation last week. I hope you got a revelation of Jesus that he's more than your savior, but that he's king that he is worthy to rule your life, to sit on the throne of our lives, and that we as God's children, we ought to serve King Jesus. We ought to look to King Jesus, not to ourselves, not serving ourselves, not living for ourselves, but for King Jesus. And I pray that if you haven't gotten a revelation from God that Jesus is your not only your Savior, but your King, I pray that you get a revelation of him high, lifted up, worthy to be praised and worthy to be served as king. Bless his name. So I want to talk to you today about what that means. What does it mean to be a citizen of the kingdom and a subject of King Jesus? What exactly does that mean and how do we live our lives with that knowledge? Does it change how we live? And yes, it certainly does. And I want to talk to you today about how you can live as a citizen of the kingdom, even while you're here on earth, and you can live as a subject of King Jesus. This is important. This is what we're called to live by, citizens of the kingdom of God and subjects of the king. This is powerful. We need this today. And I pray, in fact, let me pray for you today that the Holy Spirit would enlighten your mind so that you would receive today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just speak the life of the Holy Spirit into your people today. And I just pray right now, God, that your anointing would open our spiritual ears to hear and receive what you have to say in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you know, it's easy for us to live for ourselves. It's the way of the world. In fact, I find a lot of Christians today are living the way of the world. They've drifted into a sort of form of religion, a mindset, and, and I won't even discuss whether they're saved or not. That's not between uh, uh, me and them. That's between themselves and the Lord. But I will say that uh, it's easy to look around and see in Christianity today, especially in the U.S., that many people have drifted into sort of a form of Christianity that looks like the world. It looks like the world, and there's a reason for this. The reason is that you have made yourself the king and not Jesus the king. You're living according to the patterns of the world, living according to earthly things and not eternal things, you're living as if you're in charge and not Jesus is in charge. Now, do you still love me today? Do you still want to hear what I have to say? I believe that if you get this today, you will realize that life is more than just you being on the throne of your life. Life is 
having purpose and meaning for the kingdom of God and for King Jesus. And we need to get back to living the way we are supposed to live according to the scripture. Now, before I move on, let me just help some of you who just had a, a light bulb go off in your head and you think this sermon is about to be uh, all about how you shouldn't sin and how you should do things uh, without sin and, and, and measuring yourself according to your actions. And that's not really it at all. Actions are produced from our faith. Actions are produced from our relationship with Christ Jesus. But it's not about how much you sin tomorrow or how much you make yourself holy by avoiding sin, all of those kind of things. That's an element of our obedience and our growth in Christ, but that's not the purpose. And that's not what I want to talk to you about today for it. Listen, God uses us, loves us, includes us in spite of the fact that we make mistakes, in spite of the fact that even as his children, we still sin. So turn that light bulb off. We're not talking about that today. Uh, but I want to start with uh, scripture today in 1 Timothy chapter 6. I was here last week. I'm going to read a little more this time and I'm going to start in verse 3 and go through 16. That's 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul says to Timothy, if anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. But he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and depraved of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we, can take, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Praise God. He is King of kings, worthy to be praised, worthy to be served. We are citizens of the kingdom and subjects of the king. The king has come and he's brought the kingdom with him. The kingdom of God is here. And you and I, as believers in Christ, we are citizens of the kingdom, subjects of the king. Praise God. Look, look at what Paul says in this little passage of scripture. If you notice the, 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 the context here, he is saying, first of all, don't live a certain way. He says, then flee from this way of living and live this way. 
And he gives a reason for living this way because Jesus is king. So let's go, let's take that backwards because I think that will be easier for me to share with you today. Because Jesus is king, because we have a revelation of who he is and he's earned a name that is above every other name. He's king of kings and lord of lords and worthy to rule not only the universe but your life. Because he's king, therefore live this way. There is a certain way to conduct your life, certain goals and aspects and mannerisms and things that we do as believers responding to King Jesus. We live this way and we don't live this other way. Are you catching that? So in other words, there's a way that the scriptures want you to live because Jesus is the king of your life. Let that sink in for just a moment. Have you ever considered that? Have you ever thought because Jesus is king, because he's my savior and my Lord, that there's a manner that I'm supposed to conduct my life? And it may not be what you think. It may not be all about making your dreams come true or making you happy. In fact, Paul here is trying to keep Timothy from drifting in to a worldly form of Christianity, a form of Christianity where you use godliness for your own personal gain. And man, that's going on right now. Like if you have faith, God will give you everything you want. The purpose of God is to give you everything you want, to bless you, to provide for you, to, to make you happy, to take all your troubles away and all your burdens away. Listen, I would challenge you, look at the life of the disciples and see if you can find that kind of life in their stories. In the stories of their life, you don't see that, that God took all of their problems away and God made all of their life comfortable and made them happy. Happiness had nothing to do with it. But we get off track and Paul could see Christians starting to use God and their faith as a mean to gain earthly things and not eternal things, to use earthly means to get them and not spiritual means, and to have a life in which they were the ones who sat on the throne of their lives. Jesus, help us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Man, if I ever felt the anointing, I feel the anointing right now in my life. I believe the church, especially in the U.S., has been drifting towards a lifestyle in which we are the kings of our lives. We rule our lives. We have earthly goals, and we're trying to use God and our faith to get things that we want. And that is not the life that we have been called to as citizens of the kingdom and subjects of King Jesus. There's something greater. There is something better, something of deeper substance and higher purpose that we have been called to live, children of God. But too many people have drifted into this mindset. They're marked by these three things I want to talk about. Yes, there's other, but, but, but three things I want to get across to you today. One of them is if you're living a life in which your happiness is the priority. That every day what makes you happy is the priority of your life and you're not living according to what Paul is telling Timothy to live. Happiness is not the goal of life. In fact, happiness is like the wind. It's so fickle, it comes and goes. And, and, and one day, one certain thing will make you feel happy. And the next day, that same thing won't make you feel happy. And you, you'll find yourself chasing after the wind. You know what happens when you chase the wind? You never catch it. You never catch it. And you know what happens when you chase happiness? You never catch it. You never catch it. And it's because it's not the goal of your life. It's a side effect that comes and goes, but it's not the purpose of your life. And yet when you make happiness your life, you're living according to 
the patterns of the world and not according to the patterns of scripture. You're living as if you're a citizen of the world and not a citizen of the kingdom. Happiness is not the purpose of your life. Here's another one that I feel like is going on in the body of Christ today, and that is that my feelings are the Holy Spirit. So if I feel like doing it, then I should do it. So many of you, you don't go to church until you feel like it. And you say, well, boy, God just made me go. He just brought me up and he led me to church because I felt like it. Uh, listen, I'm sorry. That's not the way it goes. Your feelings are not the Holy Spirit. And thank God they're not the Holy Spirit. Because what a mess we'd be in if your roller coaster emotions uh, was the Holy Spirit speaking to your life. Your feelings are not the Holy Spirit. Now, when you try to live a Christian life based on when you want to do it, you will live a weak and ineffective Christian life. Did you catch that? Some of you today, your entire faith is built upon how you feel. You don't pray until you feel like it. You don't read the word until you feel like it. You don't help others until you feel like it. And then you got pastors that show up on Sunday and they're trying to whip you into some sort of a feeling so that you'll actually respond to the gospel. But listen, God didn't call us to live by our feelings. In fact, the Bible says that what separates the internal part of you, your spirit, which is God at work in your life, and your soul, which is still not perfected, your mind and your emotions... What separates those two is the Word of God. So when you get confused about whether it's God or your feelings, you got to ask yourself, what is it that the Word of God says? And go with what the Word of God says. And I'm going to tell you right now, oftentimes the Word of God will tell you to do things that you don't feel like doing. But the world is living this way. It is a feel like you do it. If you feel like doing it, then do it. That's the pattern of the world. And unfortunately, many Christians have brought that into their faith. And that's how they're living. And that's not how God wants you to live. Your feelings are not God moving you. Your feelings are your feelings. And sometimes your feelings are dead wrong. Third thing and main thing overall is that we have this mindset. We live in such a way that we feel like God exists for us. Now, I, I got into this a lot last week, so I won't dwell on it. But I want to tell you right now, uh, when you get the mindset that God is here to heal you, save you, bless you, keep you, take care of you, do all these things for you, and yet he's not your king, you don't have a complete uh, revelation of who he is. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In fact, when he was asked about his identity, Son of God, King of kings, King of the Jews, this is his response. His identity is King Jesus. And yet many Christians have taken Jesus to be something uh, where they use him for their earthly pleasures. Like God's going to give me all kinds of good blessings and, and lots of stuff. And they even do things like if I give to my neighbor, I expect God to give me a jet ski and uh, all kinds of things. Listen, I know the Bible says that if you give, it will be given back to you. But the problem is not, will it be given back to you? The problem is, what is the desire of your heart? Is it the things of this earth? Paul said here in this scripture, people that pursue riches, people that pursue the, the things of this earth with a love, if they love money, listen, God's not allergic to money, and I'm not either. But God doesn't want you loving money. God doesn't want you spending your life pursuing the pleasures of this world. The scripture says you brought nothing into this world. You're going to take nothing from this world with you. 
Why do you consume your days, your hours, your life trying to get the possessions of the world? Listen, the citizens of the world live that way. They live as if they are the king of their life. They are the one who is important. It is their happiness that matters more than anything else. And they'll do anything, any, anything that they can do to make themselves happy and pursue the pleasures of this life. But I came to tell you, child of God, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit today, God has called you to live a better life, to live a higher life, to live a greater life than to pursue the things of this earth. For you and I are not citizens of the world. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. The king has come and the kingdom is here and we are subjects of King Jesus. So we ought to have this mindset. Let me bow before my king. Let me bow before my king. What do you want from my life? What is the purpose of my life, King Jesus? How do you want me to conduct myself? And I will dedicate my life to what you want from me. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. He told Pilate, listen, my kingdom's not of this world. If it were, then my people would come and fight to prevent you from arresting me. They would have stood up, but my kingdom's not of this world. What was he saying? Our goals are not earthly. They're eternal. We're not looking to put me on some earthly throne. I'm going to sit. I'm already sitting on the throne of the universe. He was saying, my people don't use earthly method, methods. They don't, they don't function according to the patterns of this world. We have spiritual weapons and spiritual methods in which we accomplish things here on planet Earth. He was letting Pilate know, listen, the, the kingdom of God is here. I'm the king. There's nothing you can do about it. Hallelujah. There's been some power put in your hands here on planet Earth, but God allowed that to happen for his great and mighty purpose. But the king is here. My kingdom has come and I will rule and reign. And there's nothing that you can do about it. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. And if the kingdom of God is here and the king is here, then we are citizens of the kingdom of God. We are subjects of King Jesus. Hallelujah. We are subjects of the king. Can you just praise him with me for a moment, Father? Oh, King Jesus, bless your holy name. You are our king. You are the king and we are subject to you and our lives will be consumed in purpose for the kingdom, in purpose in obedience to our king. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I want to share with you today what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom. For we've explored right now what it means to be a citizen of the world. It's about you being on the throne. It's about you pursuing the things of this life. It's about this life being the most important thing. And uh, it's about you using the methods of this world. It's about you keeping your focus on this life and consuming and pursuing the things of this life for yourself instead of pursuing the things of God. We've discovered how you can have a drifted form of Christianity where you have uh, drifted into a worldly way of living. And now I want to explore with you today what it really means to be a citizen of the kingdom. 
a subject of the king. Thank you, Jesus. I want to talk to you about just some five simple things, five simple things. You ought to write these things down and apply them to your life as you attempt to live your life for Jesus Christ. And the first one is honor. We're supposed to live with honor. Let me read you a scripture in Galatians, uh, excuse me, in Hebrews 13, 18, Paul says, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. You know what? Subjects of King Jesus ought to conduct themselves honorably. They ought to conduct themselves honorably in all things. That means we need to be honest. We need to tell the truth. We need to be truthful. In fact, I find that there are many people today who will just lie whenever they can because, uh, you know, God will forgive me and it's going to get me out of a problem. The lie to their boss, the lie to a police officer who pulled them over, the lie to their husbands or wives, they'll lie. Can I tell you something? We ought to be honest. We ought to be honorable and honest. And if being honest is not the best thing, then keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything at all. God's people ought to carry truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And it is our job to carry the truth, not to water it down, not to try to uh, worry about people's feelings as much as we do. The truth, amen? Come on, I'm not all for stepping on people, but we've got to be honest and truthful in our dealings. We need to be ethical and just. That's right. You need to do the right thing. If you sign an agreement to pay X amount of dollars, you need to pay that money. Come on, if you've run across hard times, then figure out how that you can make an agreement with that person that you've agreed with. But be ethical. Don't look at it as an opportunity to just take advantage of people. Do the right thing. God's people ought to live ethically and just. Oh, justice is a great word because we've messed up the word justice. Justice to many people today means I was wrong I'm going to get back at you. That's justice. No, that's revenge. Justice can't happen based upon things or people here on earth. Justice has to come from the only one who has the right, and that is God. Justice comes from God, and we ought to live in justice. In other words, we ought to be representatives of what God says about how things should be here on planet earth. Amen. We should stand up for those who are being oppressed and abused. Come on. I'm not political kind of guy. I don't get into politics a lot, but I do get into helping the oppressed and helping those who've been pushed down in society. We ought to be ethical and just, and we ought to do what's right. Yes, we are righteous because of Christ Jesus, but I want to I give you another word, rightness. And that is we endeavor to live right. We endeavor to do what is right. We are honorable in all things. If we owe, we pay. If we're going to speak, we speak honestly. If we're going to have dealings, we deal ethically. And if we fail, we own up to it, admit it, and do our best to make it right. Is somebody out there today, can you say amen to that? We are to live honorably, number one. Number two, we are to live with purpose. And your purpose is not happiness. Your purpose is greater than that. Let me read to you Ephesians 2.10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Oh, did you get this? We are His. 
He possesses us. He owns us. He's the king. We are his subjects. We were created in Christ for a purpose. That purpose is good works. How do we do good works? We walk in them. We live our lives in purpose. We live, number one, for the kingdom. Yes, it is about the kingdom of God. And you know what the kingdom of God is doing? It is taking territory and hearts and minds for Jesus Christ. We wake up every day with the purpose in our lives to win souls for the kingdom, to destroy the works of the enemy. Hallelujah. We live for a purpose for the kingdom. We live and our purpose is to live for the king. Yes, not my will, God, but yours be done. Not my desires, Lord, but your desires. What do you wish for me? You see, uh, you're not just somebody who was born over here and God noticed you and brought you into the family of God. And he's like, well, you know, wherever you want to fit in, that's okay with me. No, you were created in Christ Jesus with a purpose. Before the world was formed, God knew you. Do you hear me? There is a particular purpose for your life. He's placed you in this world so that you could fulfill a purpose in your situation, in your job, in your family, with your talents, in your education, and your gifting, and your vision. He's planted that in you for a purpose. Hallelujah. Listen, when you live for the king and for the kingdom, your purpose is no longer earthly, it's eternal. Yeah, there are going to be some aspects that happen here on planet earth, but mostly it's eternal. We live for something that goes beyond this life. And that's why when we have loved ones who die in Christ, we don't grieve like the rest of the world because our focus is not here. This is not the be all and the end all. Eternity is. What comes beyond this? is what we're living for. It is our purpose today in Him. We live honorably. We live with purpose. Number three, we live sacrificially. That's right. Sacrifice is an aspect of citizens of King Jesus. And, and this is a hard one because everybody expects to get something for what they give. And listen, when you make a sacrifice, it is a seed and it will return to you. But your motivation is not always getting something in return. It is to give. It is to give. It is to give, I said, to give your life for something greater than yourself. Romans 12, 1, I love this. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Hallelujah. God wants you to present your life sacrificially. Now, when we talk about sacrificing your life, we often think of uh, physically dying for something. And listen, there are some people who have been martyrs for Jesus and they have physically given their life for the kingdom of God. And there are many more that are going to uh, live that way. Some may be dying today for the sake of Jesus Christ and many more to come. But I want you to know there's a second way to sacrifice your life for Jesus. And uh, this is the way that most of you have been called to sacrifice your life for the King. And that is to give your days, your minutes, your hours in service to His purpose and not your own. That is to give your time that is to give your money, the treasures you get, the money you get, the paycheck you get. It's not just about you. It's for his kingdom. 
Yes, you'll pay your rent, pay your bills and all of that, but your money is not to give you toys and pleasures for the things of this life. There may be times where you get a few toys and you have a few pleasures, but the goal is the kingdom of God. You ought to give to the kingdom of God. You ought to give to people in need. You ought to help people and lift people up. Come on. It is sacrificing your time for the kingdom, your money for the kingdom, your talents for the kingdom. Listen, there are some of you out there today that you could make a lot of money if you just went the world's way. You have talent. You can sing. You can speak. You can act. You can paint. You can whatever. If you use your talent to just pursue the things of this world, you can make a lot of money, but you have a greater purpose than that. And you are sacrificing the things of this world so that other people can hear the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There are sacrifices being made for the kingdom of God. We give our lives. Sometimes people will die physically for the kingdom, but many times they're giving their time their days, their money, their talents, and even giving up dreams and hopes that they've had. There are times in my life when uh, I think about what it would be like to do this or to do that. But you know what? I can't do that. I can't, I can't leave my post. I can't stop doing what Jesus King, King Jesus told me to do. I can't quit being who he called me to be. I've got to be who King Jesus called me to be. Hallelujah. It's what I was created for. And I must walk in and it doesn't matter. Listen, when you get that, you can understand that even though nobody seems to be listening at times, come on, all of my fellow pastors, nobody seems to be listening and you're wondering if it even matters anymore. But you do it, not because you get likes on Facebook, not because there are a ton of people in your congregation or at your service on a Sunday morning, not because you're making a lot of money or selling books. You do it because King Jesus said to do it and the results are up to him. So you sing that song, you preach the word, you teach those kids, whatever it is he's called you to do, you do it for King Jesus and you make the sacrifice people who are citizens of the kingdom, subjects of the king. We live with honor. We live with purpose. We live with sacrifice and we live with discipline. Come on, discipline. You don't want to hear that, do you? But I'm here to tell you today, discipline is how we ought to live. Let me read to you a familiar scripture. In fact, Galatians 5, through 24, and it's talking about when the spirit comes into your life, the fruit of the Spirit, or what is produced, what is produced in your life when the Spirit comes into your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When Christ comes into your life, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, this is the fruit that he produces and it's trying to get out of you. But your fleshly self, the, the fleshly side of you gets tempted and is struggling. And, and that's why we've got to go back to the cross and remind ourselves that we've been crucified with Christ and it's not about us anymore. Our old will, our selfish ambitions died with Jesus and we live in Christ. Jesus is our King and we live for our purpose is in Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We live a life that is disciplined. 
I find it interesting that in this day and age, people want to just do whatever they feel like doing as Christians, and yet Jesus called 12 men to be disciples. And they left everything. They left their nets, their careers, their families, their jobs, their safety, and they forfeited their very lives. All but one died as a martyr for Jesus Christ, and the other one gave his days and hours in life for the kingdom of God until the day he died naturally. Listen, I want to tell you today, I want to tell you today, get this in your spirit today. Living according to your feelings is not God's plan for your life. Living a disciplined life of self-control is God's plan for your life. That's how you're going to accomplish things. What do I mean? I don't mean make yourself be good. No. I mean submit to the Spirit of God. Submit to the Word of God. Submit to the will of God. So that when you want to spend that money on you and God is saying, no, give it to your neighbor who has a need, you do what God says, you deny yourself, and you do what the Holy Spirit says. And when you want to sleep in and God is saying, wake up, and spend some time in my word today. You want to sleep in, but you deny yourself. You discipline your life and you do what God says. You get up and you do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Come on. Are you hearing me today? This is so powerful for your life. If we could get this today, coming back to a life where we have purpose, honor, meaning, discipline, and not being pulled around by our emotions and living a life where I'm the king and, and I live as if God exists for me and whatever I feel like doing, that must be God's will. Listen, there's something greater than that and we must learn to live that way. We live a life where we control ourselves. The Holy Spirit will give you power to control yourselves. For those of you out there today who are saying, you know, I'm just one of those people who tells it like it is. All you're saying is I have no self-control. Maybe today you ought to take a hint from Jesus who opened not his mouth when he was questioned, when he was slapped, when he was accused. He didn't always have to speak up. He did when it was right. He did when it was productive, but he didn't always do it. You know why? Because he had self-control. He said, I have the power to call legions of angels down and get retribution on you, and I would win down here, but I have self-control. My Father's got a plan, and I'm going to see it through because the Spirit empowers me to control my life. No, you don't have to say those words. No, you don't have to get that off your chest. No, you don't have to do that thing of revenge. No, you don't have to do that. Control yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask yourself questions like, if I speak, will it help? Will it be productive? If I do this, will it help or will it hurt? And then you know what to do. Even though your flesh may want to do something different, the old man may want to do something different, the Spirit says do this, and you discipline your life. You control yourself and do what the Spirit leads you to do because you believe in being obedient to King Jesus. That's right. You believe there's an authority above you, and that is King Jesus. And what he says is what needs to be done. And that is the dictate of your life. What does God say? What does he say in his word? What does the Bible say about this situation, about your life? And obey Jesus. There's something powerful about that today. The, the fleshly parts of us wants to reject all authority and just do what we want. Let me be king. Listen, that is the flesh and the mannerisms of the world. That is wickedness. It is not the way God wants you to live for spirituality. 
for, for spiritual depth and maturity says, King Jesus, you are in authority and I obey you. I submit to you. Your will be done in my life. Yes, we deny ourselves. We say no to the things that we want, that we know are not right, not according to the spirit of the word of God. And we say yes to King Jesus and what he is telling us and leading us to do. We live lives as citizens of the kingdom and subjects of the king of honor, of purpose, of sacrifice, of discipline. And finally today, number five, we live lives of authority and power. Oh, watch this. I love this. Luke 9, 1 through 2, and he called the 12 together and he gave them what? Power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim what? The kingdom of God and to perform healing. Hallelujah. You know what? Uh, children of God, there are too many people uh, in the church, people who are believers who've accepted Jesus as their savior and not as their king. And they live in such a way as if they're they're uh, subject to the world and the devil the same way the world is. That they have no power. They have no authority. They're just hoping. Fingers crossed. Nothing goes wrong. Fingers crossed. Everything is good. Oh, we hope the situation doesn't hurt us. Listen, there are times in life when the situation gets bigger than any human being. It could be a sickness, a disease, a financial problem, uh, emotional situation, mental situation, family situation. It's bigger than you on your own. But I want you to know something. It is never bigger than my king. And when I walk in the authority of my king, he has given me that authority. And when I speak, I speak on behalf of Jesus. And when I act, I act on behalf of Jesus because he has issued to me, he has decreed to me his power and his authority. So I don't go into situations in my power and my authority. I go in with his. And when I go in with his, I'm greater than any devil in hell. I'm more powerful. I have authority over all things. Are you getting this today? Come on, as a citizen of the King Jesus, of the kingdom of God, you need to walk into your world with authority and power. That means you don't let things happen to you. You happen to things. Come on. God has given us authority to destroy the work of the devil. Come on, you know what a spiritual warrior is? He's not just somebody who's ready to fight. He's somebody who's looking for a fight. He wants to fight. He can't wait to go to war. He goes out looking for the works of the enemy so he can destroy them. Oh, let that sink in. Some of you have been playing defense too long. You've been, been hoping nothing happens. And if it does, well, then maybe you might put your armor on. But listen, spiritual warriors are going after the devil. They're looking for him in people's lives. They're looking for him in cities. They're looking for the works of the enemy. And they destroy them by prayer, by faith, by loving others, by declaring the kingdom of God in this world. You have authority and power to destroy the evil that is in this world today. Not only that, you have the power to change situations here today. Listen, Jesus, everywhere he went, he did good. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He, he, he brought people into the kingdom. Life transformation, miracles happened. Same with all of the apostles. You know what? The same authority and power that was on them is on us today. We just don't walk in it. We don't believe it. We don't walk in it, and yet God wants you to walk in the power and the authority of King Jesus. That means if King Jesus would have done it, I'm going to do it. Hallelujah. And I'm going to believe it. And listen, when you are a representative of the King, 
It's your job to just do what he says. The results are not up to you. So when you pray for the sick, it's not your job to heal them. Some of you need to hear that because you're afraid to pray for the sick because you're, you're afraid they won't get healed and then it'll be on you because they didn't get healed. But can I tell you something? It's not on you. It's on Jesus. It's on King Jesus. God is responsible for the results. He brings them when he wants to. He brings them in the manner he wants to. And that's up to him. It's your job to simply walk in authority and power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So get this today. You are not a citizen of the world. I know you live here. I know you're a citizen of the U.S. or whatever country that you're in. That's only temporary. You are truly 100% and eternally a citizen of the kingdom. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, and yet it's here. How is that possible? Because the kingdom of God right now exists in us. It exists in us, and it's as real as anything you've ever felt, touched, smelt, tasted in your entire life. Yes, the kingdom is here. And I am a citizen of the kingdom, and so are you, child of God. And more importantly than that, we are subjects of King Jesus. Yes, he has saved us. Yes, he has healed us. Yes, he has provided. Yes, he has delivered us. Yes, he's led us into green pastures. Yes, he has blessed us. And there's even more to come. But he has also earned a name that is above every name. That he deserves to be king, not only of all creation, he deserves to be king of my life. And he belongs on the throne of my heart. That I don't live for me anymore. I live for King Jesus. And I want to prophetically declare to the church today, it's time we stop living the way of the world. It's time we stop pursuing the things of the world as if that's the goal of life. It's time we stop making happiness our priority. It's time we stop thinking that whatever makes me happy, Happy matters most. It's, it's time we stop thinking that our feelings are the Holy Spirit. It's time that we start living lives of honor, of purpose, of sacrifice, of discipline, of authority and power. Listen, the kingdom of God is within us right now, but there's coming a day that the kingdom is physically coming to planet Earth. And it's our job to prepare the way. Listen, you and I are portals of the kingdom of God. Through us, the spiritual aspects of the kingdom become reality in the world today. And God needs us. Excuse me, God doesn't need us, but God has called us to stand up and be portals of the kingdom. He has positioned us so that the purpose of our life is in King Jesus, not in the things of this world. So I'm calling you as a Christian today, and I'm asking you, I'm calling you out, and I'm asking you today, who is the king of your life? Is it you or is it King Jesus? What does your faith look like? Do you look just like anybody else in the world? You're working for the pleasures of the world. You're using your faith to make you wealthy if you can and using God, praying that he would take away all your problems so that the goal of your life is to live a blessed and comfortable life here on planet earth and that's the, the end all and the be all of your existence. Is that you? If it is, you've drifted into a worldly way of living and I'm calling you today. I'm challenging you today to step out of that and back in to being a subject of King Jesus. Bow your head, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, for it is He who is worthy to sit on the throne of your life. So I want to ask you again today, who is the king of your life and what kingdom do you belong to? If you identify more with the kingdoms of this world than you do the kingdom of God, then you've got a problem, child of God.
If you identify more with the political party that you're associated with than you do the kingdom of God, then you've got a problem, my child. If you identify more with your race than you do with the kingdom of God, then you've got a problem, for we are neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. We are children of the living God. If you identify more with your social class than you do the kingdom of God, you have a problem, child of God. If you identify yourself of the kingdoms of this world and you are acting and living as a citizen of the kingdom, then I, by the Spirit today, am calling you out of that. Step into the kingdom of God. Live as a citizen of the kingdom. Live as a subject of King Jesus. Make Him the King of your life, not just the Savior of your life today. Hallelujah. We can have a life of purpose, power, and meaning. Let me tell you something. The church is going to win. The gates of hell can't prevail against it. Jesus is going to make the church accomplish what the church needs to accomplish. But what about you? You know, you can go on living for yourself and the church will do its thing and you won't be a part of it. You'll miss out on being a part of what God is doing. But if you step into who you are, who you really are, if you step into living a spiritual life, not only are you filled with the Spirit, but you walk in the Spirit. In other words, you make your decisions according to the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. And many times a day, you deny yourself and you discipline your life and you live with honor even when it costs you something. You live with purpose even when it's going to hurt. You sacrifice and you do without what everyone around you has, you do without because you sacrifice you discipline your mouth, your mind, your body for the kingdom, and you walk in the authority and the power that has been given you. It's not because you're good enough. It's not because you didn't sin. It's because Jesus Christ has brought you into his kingdom. He is King Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your people today that as they hear this word, they would be challenged to stop living a wayward Christian life that looks like the pattern of the world, where they are the king, their happiness is all that matters. Getting the next thing here on earth is how they spend their time, and they use the methods of this world to get it. But no, let us step out of that life, Jesus, into the kingdom of God. Subjects of the king, let us walk according to the pattern of the kingdom of God. Let us walk and live as subjects of our King, King Jesus, that we may live with honor, with purpose, with sacrifice, with discipline, with authority and power. In Jesus' mighty name, that our church and God's people may forcefully advance for the kingdom of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.